to, to some, there may be some who do not know this guy. It, well, I know most of you know him. Anybody doesn't know who this guy is? He's just some strange, <laughs> just some strange man coming to preach at our church. Uh, he is our former pastor. His name is Kevin Strope. He is uh, just one of my best friends in life, and uh, he uh, he walked me through some some times in life. I tell you, and uh, I'm just I'm I'm proud that uh, that he's here with us and going to speak for us, and I know you'll enjoy it. story, but uh, uh, it was such a privilege to be your pastor for 22 and a half years, and I still feel like this is our church home. Always going to love you, always going to pray for you, always going to miss you, and hopefully the next time we come back, Jeannie will get to come next time, but uh, anyway, it's uh, great to be here. I was so excited to come yesterday. I just came for 24 hours, got up yesterday, prayed, read my Bible a little bit, went for a hike, and came back and got ready to go, and I only needed to bring one shirt. Guess how many shirts I forgot? One shirt. <laughs> had one shirt to bring, left it hanging, and so I had to stop at TJ Maxx on my way into town. So thank I'm thankful TJ Maxx came to town, saved my hide. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I was so excited. And Jenny told me uh, when I talked to her, she said, now calm down and melt, you know, slow down. Anyway, she's a great uh, support friend, and she helps me a lot, and I, I so wish that she could be here. But anyway, um, so, miss you guys a bunch. Uh, so, we live in Bentonville, Arkansas now. And uh, through COVID, uh, food scarcity became a huge issue and, and a bunch of stuff. And she'd always wanted to go to a functional doctor. And I, you know, I'm pretty simple-minded. I think they all should be functional. But anyway, um, uh, a functional doctor is very specialized. There's not many of them. And they try to get to the root of the problem. And so, for those of you who don't know, the bottom line is, her mast cells overreact all stimuli, so her mast cells think everything's trying to kill her, so we have a very chemical-free, clean household. I try to be nice, and anyway, we try to, and, and very healthy, clean diet. Anyway, so, um, anyway, God just led us to Bentonville, Arkansas. She's always loved the Ozark. She felt a little bit better. I mean, anyway, it's still a journey of faith and praying for healing, but anyway, so they found a whole bunch of stuff wrong. One of the huge issues is a viral overload. So her system's just totally overloaded, trying to fight a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so they're trying one thing at a time. And so kind of a bottom line prayer request, if you'd like to pray specifically for us. The number one thing she's praying for is energy. She has no energy, which she hates. And so pray for energy. And... Uh, and God just supernaturally provided, uh, I started out as a PRN, as-needed hospice chaplain, then I got part-time, and then I got upgraded to full-time employment, and it's like everywhere shorthanded, so I work out of two offices. I'm all over the place visiting people, and I love to visit, and it's a beautiful area. And, and uh, it's amazing how many people um, don't have a church, or they're unclear on what it means to know Jesus, they're unclear about getting ready for heaven, and so it's my privilege to can I tell you about where I get hope? You know, can I can I tell you? Can I read some scripture to you? I'm always asking permission into somebody's life, and so it's really cool. Uh, and um, anyway, God is good. We we uh, found a good church, and so getting to know people, and uh, they've asked me to train leaders, and you know, it's a it's a growing area. We're exploding over there. There's already too much traffic, and if there's another 500,000 in seven years, I may need to move back. I'm not sure, but anyway, it's like. Wow, I mean, they're just building everywhere. But uh, anyway, uh, and also pray for our finances. This doctor's out of pocket, so I'm just going to be honest with you. So I said, we're going to go for go for the gold, live by faith. We're going for it hard for one year, but I'm not sure beyond, you know, we can only do so much. And anyway, when you have a rare disease, it's expensive. But anyway, Jenny's worth it, and so we're just living by faith. I've always preached to you we got to live by faith, and so that's what we're trying to walk by faith and not by sight and try to figure it all out. Um, but anyway, the other thing I would ask you to pray is, uh, so I'm making some good connections. What My prayer is I can encourage younger pastors, and that's on my heart. I'm an encourager. And number two, if I could fill in and preach for somebody 
And also, if I could get an opportunity to be an interim pastor, that'd be great. I'd love to go and just help the church. Um, so that's my prayer over time, uh, trying to move at the pace of grace. I'm not very good at waiting. I'm not very good at slowing down, but that's on me. So we're all still growing. We're all still learning. So um, Craig wanted me to give you a little update. That's just a little update. And if I didn't get to visit with you before, I'd love to hang out and visit with you, catch up afterwards. Um, so what I wanted to share with you is some things that Jenny and I have been learning the last couple years, and we started, um, I'd studied everything I could by Dallas Willard on living life in the kingdom of God and discipleship, and then uh, he passed away, and he handed off uh, a bunch of materials to Dr. Jim Wilder, who's a, a neuroscientist, neurotheologian, and that was new to me too when I heard about him being a neuroscientist, neurotheologian. And it's really cool in the last few years how neuroscience has made all kinds of discovery, and it all matches up with the Bible, which we know the Bible's truth, and so you're not going to improve on the Bible. But anyway, um, we started reading this book called Renovated. If you're interested, if you like to read, I like to read and learn. But Renovated is just um, uh, how God changes us and how he transforms us, how he matures us in relationships and as we pursue Jesus. And so I want to talk about the joyful journey, and I'll just say I'm still a work in progress. Yes, Craig. King's Kids, I've done that before. You should have just got up and left. And I would have gone, what in the world? No, King's Kids, you get to leave. Adults, you stay. But anybody want to go? If you don't want to go, I, you can stay and hang out with me. We'll have a good time in here, too. So e either way, uh, love I always love the fact that they run out as fast as possible from me. That's just like so encouraging. Now, I'm glad they're happy to have kings because that's awesome. Love kids. Pray you have a great VBS. I'll be praying for VBS. I keep praying for you. I pray for camp. Hope you had a great camp, although I heard some people got sick. What a bummer. Anyway, Lord help us on that one. Uh, so anyway, what I want to talk about for a few minutes today, and uh, I hope I don't go too long. Craig will never have me back. Uh, pray for Craig, and they'll have a great vacation and renewal. Um, anyway, love those guys. I'm so glad Craig's your pastor. He is about as solid as they come and loves everybody. So what a blessing to have a pastor who loves the Lord and, and loves all of you. So I hope they have a great time. So I want to talk about the joyful journey. So if you're grabbing your notes, I'll try to follow them a little bit. I may be all over the map, but uh, may God help us. Let's pray. God, we're just here for you. We want you to speak to us. We want to hear from you. We want to experience you. And I pray that you'll fill us with your word, fill us with your love, fill us with your joy and your peace, fill us with your spirit. Do what only you can do in all of our lives, Lord. We're here to worship you. So change us from the inside out. We just want to say yes to you. We want, to, we want you to be glorified in this service. Thank you for the music. Thank you for the praying. Thank you for the giving. Thank you for everything. And we do pray for Craig and Mandy and the kids. They'll just have a great vacation and renewal. And they'll just have fun being together and be able to, to recharge. And, Lord, we just pray that you'll meet the needs in this body today. In your name we pray. Amen. So Dr. Wilder defines joy, and I know there are different definitions for joy, but he defines joy as being glad to be with somebody. Joy is highly relational, and, and one verse to back that up is Romans 12, 15. We're, we are called as the body of Christ to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So when you're doing great, we get together and we rejoice in God's goodness and that you're doing well and what God's doing in your life. So we get to do that together, and God gets glory through that. But we're also called to weep with those who weep. So we're not, you know, we're not, you know, giddy, you know, pie in the sky, everything's great all the time. We need both. We need to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, but we also need to enter in and mourn with those who are mourning because Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And that happens in relationships. So we, we have to be honest about life. We have to be honest about the trials and difficulties. And we enter into each other's lives and enter into each other's stories. And, and, and God uses the church, the body of Christ, to minister Christ to each other, and we mature, and we grow, and we experience healing, and we experience the wholeness that God wants for us in relationship. So part of this goes back to, if you've ever had a chance to study attachment theory, when a, when a baby is born, God's vision, his design is that when that baby's born, it would 
it would attach to the mom, and when the mom smiles at the baby, and you've seen this, haven't you? The mom smiles at the baby, what does the baby do? Smiles back. But if, if mom's angry or sad or withdrawn, the baby mirrors back, okay, there's something, you know, there's something missing here. So God's design is that, that the baby and the mom would have a healthy attachment, and if you get off to that good start, then it, and it helps you the rest of your life in relationships. Now, sometimes that doesn't happen, and so some people are become very anxious because they didn't get to connect with the mom, and, and, uh, and for whatever reason, you know, that doesn't always happen. Or they avoid relationships and avoid people and avoid problems. But, but the beauty of the bride of Christ is God in his great redemption story, what he wants to do is save people, set people free, make people whole, and we attach to God through Jesus, and we have this great relationship. But we also need to experience that in healthy, life-giving relationships here in the body of Christ. And that's the opportunity of this church, that, that we get to attach to God through Christ, and we get to connect and have that, that bond that takes place, and we get super glued uh, together with God through Jesus. And I don't have time to study Hased, but if you get a chance to study God's mercy, his loyal love, his committed love, that love that, that never quits, it never stops, he never turns his back on us. And so that's what he does. So we're attached to him. He's never going to turn his back on you. He's never going to give up on you. Aren't you glad he never gives up on us? I've wanted to give up, just being honest with you. But he never gives up and he never quits. And nothing will separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And if you don't know him, today's your day. You're in the right place. God has you here by divine appointment. But that, but that also happens in relationships, and that's the beauty of the bride of Christ. We get to have healing relationships, growing relationships. We mature in relationship. Research has found out that loneliness is now an epidemic. Would you agree with that there's a loneliness problem in our country? All over the world, people are lonely. COVID's made it worse. Uh, technology's made it worse. I love some of the benefits of technology. But, but the brain is always looking for joy. The brain, and I don't have time to go into brain science, and you'll have to read up on it, but there, it's behind the eye. The eye is looking. We're trying to connect eyeball to eyeball. And now people are so often on their cell phones, we're not connecting eyeball to eyeball. And people aren't going to church and getting into small groups and relationships and doing eyeball to eyeball ministry. It's not even happening in marriages. It's not happening in families. It's not happening all over the place. But we're made, and the brain is always looking for joy. When I, uh, when I have done funerals for people that I didn't know, those are always the hardest funerals, but it's a chance to, to talk about Jesus and give hope. But when I do those uh, funerals, I'm always looking out, and I'm trying to find, is there anybody I can connect with? Because I know I'm looking at some people that there's no life in their eyes, and they're just as dead as can be, and I'm praying they'll get saved, obviously. But, but that, I... When I read the neuroscience, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm looking for in a funeral. I'm looking for a church service. Who's with me? And smiling at me, you know. I'm always looking. You know, we're made for these face-to-face -face relationships. And isn't it sad that that is becoming rare, and it's becoming even more rare all the time. That's why I love being here face-to-face. -face. Some of you, I can talk to the phone. You can do a little bit of Facebook, and that has some benefits. I mean, I've got family all over the country. But there's nothing like sitting across the table and talking to somebody face to face and just how's it going you know tell me your story what is going on in your life how can i pray for you just on and on that's what we're made for and, and so that's god's vision for the church that we would attack attach to god through jesus and joy-filled relationship we would enjoy getting together and and so when we get together the pe i believe everybody wants to know do i matter does anybody care about me and I want you to know that, that God cares about you. And he proved it when he sent his son to the cross. And Jesus said, I'll go. I'll die in, in their place. I'll go. I'll, I'll sacrifice it all. Romans 15, 7. Let me give you one, ver one verse that kind of backs up this uh, attachment and how we're made for, for belonging and, and acceptance. We all long to belong to somebody, to find our people. And that's one of the beautiful things I've always enjoyed about this church. If somebody wants to come and get involved and be friends, wide open door now if you stay at a distance and arm's length then you know th then you miss out and of course the body misses out too when we hold back but uh romans 15 7 says accept one another just as god in christ has accepted you
how has God in Christ accepted you? Unconditionally, 100%. Even knowing the worst about you, God says, I want you. I want you in my family. I want you in my family. Now, my family lives all over the country. We haven't seen our kids, and they live in California three years. It's torture, you know, and, and a Memorial Day weekend, went down. I hadn't seen my mom forever and my sisters. Man, it was just so great to see them face-to-face, give them a hug. Gave some of you hugs if you want to hug afterwards, if you're open to that. Uh, but, but there's nothing like face-to-face being with people and just saying, I'm accepting you. And, and that's one of the things I, I want to say thank you for a lot of things. Thanks for praying for us and supporting us. Uh, but thank you for 22 and a half years. You, you put up with a lot, you know. And, that, and that's what we do in relationships. We bear with each other and we forgive each other and we make allowances for differences and we just love each other the way God in Christ has loved us. Well, that's a little bit of an introduction. We better get into the notes here. So joy is being glad to be with some. Buddy, And so let me give you the biblical basis and follow a little thread here. Start in Psalm 16. So we're going to look at David. We're going we're gonna to listen to Jesus. We're going to look at Paul. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And we, we have confidence in God that he's going to speak to us. And so Psalm 16, 9. Well, let's do verse 11. Um, verse 11 is uh, this key verse. If you get a chance to read Desiring God by John Piper, that really helps me to understand that Christianity is not about rules and all this. It's about a relationship where God enjoys us and we get to enjoy him and it goes back and forth. But Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the starting place in verse 11 is, You will show me the path of life. That, that is walking with Jesus day by day. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's made a way to the Father. So now we enter into this new relationship when we're walking with Jesus. He's the way. We're walking with Jesus. And that's just a a life-changing thought that I'm still kind of working with, that every day I'm walking with Jesus. He's going to to go to work with me this week. He's going to help me as I care for my wife. We're walking with Jesus, all of life with Jesus. And so the way... um, uh, It was Dallas Willard who defines salvation as a new attachment where we're we're attached to God, and and he's never going to change. And then we attach to each other. But the key thought here in the middle of verse 11 as we think about uh, joy being face-to-face, he says this, in your presence is fullness of joy. Now think about that for a minute. Meditate. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now that... Is that available, bless you, is that available when you're sick? Is it available when you're struggling? Is it available when you're losing hope? See, I always end up in trouble when I try to take control, try to figure out life. I've got a problem trying to figure things out. God never says try to figure things out. What he does say is just stay in my presence. Trust me, I'm going to take care of you. In your presence is fullness of joy. That. That, to me, is a captivating vision for life. I'll be honest with you, I'm not there all the time. I want to be there more and more and more. uh, God has put some great people in my life. Day two, we live in uh, an apartment complex that's built on relationships, got an organic working farm. That's part of why we moved there, so we can get food and I get on the trails. Day two, I met a guy who used to be the CEO at Washington Regional Hospital, and they simplified their life, downsized. And anyway, he's an elder at his church. And he's taken me under his wing. And we're going through a book by Chuck Swindoll. And the first chapter is all about, and it's right where I am, I need intimacy with Christ. I need to draw near to God. I, I believe for every single one of us, whatever you're going through in life, that's, that's our number one need for all of us, to draw near to Christ. To get our life from, just drawn near to Regardless of what's going on with the family, what's going on with your job, the number one need I have is to draw near to Christ, to put my hope in Christ, because I'm up and down. So the vision for the Christian life is that we would live in his presence and experience the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the picture that we have to have of God is, first of all, that he's good. 
Satan, right back in Genesis 3, he attacked that right away. God's not good. You've got to do your own thing. Doing your own thing doesn't work. It's never worked. And so uh, the picture we have to have of God is this, that he's good and he's generous and he's a joy giver. If you don't have that vision of God, you're going to struggle. If you don't think he's, is he really a happy God? Is he good? I think he's happy because when I look in the mirror, I go, yep, he's got a sense of humor. When he made zebras, you know, giraffes. Giraffes are goofy, but they're cool, you know. Uh, God is good. He's a happy God. When he made everything, he made it good. Sin wrecked it. Jesus reclaimed us, and he wants to make us whole, and he wants to set us free. Now, look at verse 3 real quick there. Here's what David says. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And that is the relational aspect of joy. When David looks at the saints, the church, and he goes, you're the excellent ones. You're the ones I enjoy. You're my delight. And I hope you've got somebody in your life who does that for you. Everybody needs somebody in your life who's an encourager, somebody who just enjoys you. I think when I was growing up, we moved all over the place, lots of insecurity, and, you know, lots of challenges in our family. But when I went to Nebraska to my grandparents, I knew somebody was going to enjoy me. I knew somebody was going to delight in me there. Uh, so what Jenny and I have been doing, we've been trying to fill our lives with good things and good news, and we watch videos of, you know, baby goats in pajamas and all kinds of, you know, we look at, you know, flowers and beauty and art and music and all kinds of, we're trying to bring good things in because there's so many negative stories out there, bad stories. But I love stories like, and you've probably seen this one, when they have, like, teacher of the year, and a couple of these videos I love, there's one teacher that, when every student walks into the classroom, they've got a special handshake, high five, low, and they got this whole thing. And, and when I look at that, there's like this pure joy. This teacher just totally loves these kids, and they love the teacher, and they're coming in. And that's just a picture of joy. And that, you know, that should be what's happening in the church, that we're so glad to see each other. We're so glad to be together that we don't want to stay home. You know, we want to go be together and spread joy. But that's my prayer for myself and for all of us. But we see that in, in David, that he just, man, I, I just love the saints. You're the ones I enjoy. I delight in you. Man, I'm glad we're friends. Uh, here's, um, I love different identity statements. I love the identity statement in John where Jesus calls us friend. That's, that's a captivating identity. I'm a friend of Jesus. I don't have high friends in high places, but I got a friend who loves me more than I even know. Here's a great identity statement. In Christ, because of our union in Christ, I am one in whom God indwells and delights. I live in the good and unshakable kingdom of God. I like that identity statement. I am one in whom God indwells and delights. I live in the good and unshakable kingdom of God. If you want that later, I'll give it to you. Uh, let's go to John chapter 15. I better get going here. We've got all day, right? You'll be so glad Craig comes back. Anyway, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 11 is kind of the key verse when we think about this joy in relationship. Um, we're glad to be together. In John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus is not far from going to the cross, and so he's getting his disciples ready. And in John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you or abide in you, stay in you, and that your joy may be, what's the next word? What do you have in your Bible? And that your joy may be? So we said in John, uh, Psalm 16, 11, in your presence is fullness of joy. And, and, we, and we live that out in relationships. We're supposed to, we're called to be Christ to each other. Would you agree with that? Is that a true statement? In the body of Christ, we're members of one another. We're Christ is the head of the church. We're all members of each other, and we're supposed to minister Christ to each other so that we're stronger, better, wiser. So he says in verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now, the reason I say the joy that Jesus had with the Father, he wants to be in us, goes back to verse 9. We see this whole idea in verse 9 where Jesus says, as the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Stay. Jude, Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God. So if God says to every one of us, keep yourself in the love of God, does that mean that we can wander off or stray? 
We can walk away from the light. When we walk away from the light, where do you end up in? In darkness. And that's what John talks about. All it takes to walk in darkness is to stop walking in the light. That's why the Christian life is a great journey, day by day, trusting, walking in the light together. So the, the idea here in, in uh, John chapter 15 is we're learning to live life with God. We're abiding in Jesus. We're, we're, we're asking him to take his word, abide in it, and let that word just soak in and permeate. I don't know who said it, but this has helped me a lot. The best way to study the Bible is just to immerse yourself in it. So when I was doing my hikes and walks and I'm driving, I'm listening to the book of Philippians because Craig said you're studying Philippians. Well, so, I'm, so what I'm trying to do when I'm, I'm in the car a lot because I'm going to be, I'm trying to listen to the word. I'm trying to listen to it on my phone, you version, when I'm walking. I'm trying to just immerse myself in the word because I, I want it to sink down. A lot of it's still in my head. So here's, here's part of the problem with American Christianity, and I'm guilty of it. American Christianity says, if you just get the right beliefs, then you'll be a disciple of Jesus. But research shows that we're changed by who we love. We're changed by who we love. And when you love Jesus and you love a group of people, you're changed. Because there's a lot of people walking around with a lot of information, a lot of notebooks on the shelf. But, man, they're just hateful people. They're angry, unforgiving, you know, negative, hard to be around. So they're... There's a huge difference between just having some truth in the head, some information. I got some facts. You know, we'll pound people with some doctrine. But, but according to the Bible here, we're supposed to fill our lives with the word and fill our lives with the love of God and then love each other. Fill your life with the joy, Lord, and then go spread some joy. Because when you look at verse 11, then you've got to follow along to verse 12 because context is king when you study the Bible. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Why do you think God has to command us to love one another? Why would God have to do that? Everything he says has purpose. Why would God have to command us love each other? It's a command. Because we don't do it. And otherwise, we'll make excuses. Well, I've been hurt in life. And that's a real issue. I've been hurt. My wife's been hurt. So here's what I believe. Our hurt comes in relationships and the healing comes in life-giving, real, honest, healing relationships as we minister joy and we accept each other unconditionally. So then he goes on to say, verse 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. The best marriage advice I ever got was Ephesians chapter 5, I lay down my life, and I have to remind myself, okay, I'm, I'm laying my life down for Jenny. I'm, I'm going to work, I'm serving her, I'm coming home, I'm not... I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm a servant of the King of Kings. Greater love, the greatest love that you could ever show to anybody is a sacrificial love. When you lay down your rights and say, how can I, how can I bless you? See, God's vision of the church is that we minister joy to each other. And Hebrews 10 tells us when you get together as a church, make sure you're, you're coming to encourage each other. You've read that, right? Most of the time, we just focus on that verse where it says, hey, don't give up meeting together. Go to church. Okay, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm going with an ugly face on. You know, I'm, I'm dragging the kids to church. But the vision of the Bible is make sure you get together for a purpose to encourage each other, spur each other on towards love and good works. So there's a really good, healthy purpose to the gathering of the body of Christ. We're, we're getting together to pray for each other and praise God together and encourage each other and find joy together and I better move on. You'll never want me to come back. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6.10. This one came to me at just the right time. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.10 because I was kind of struggling. We're going through this suffering journey and um, kind of feeling picked on. How many of you have ever felt like God was picking on you when you suffered? Anybody felt like God was kind of picking on you? Um, sometimes we feel that way. That's Satan. He's a liar. and He wants you to think you're just a mess up, a failure. You blew it. You're, you deserve this, whatever. And, and if God says, hey, you've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit's going to be very specific and put his finger on something and go, that needs to change. Repent. And the quicker we repent, then the quicker we can have good relationship. But uh, Satan just loads up his shotgun and just says, you're a loser, failure, mess up, you know, and he just tries to shame us out anyway. But 2 Corinthians 6.10 kind of helped me to understand Paul, Paul in his life suffered 
lots of hardship, shipwreck, imprisoned, beat beaten to the point of death. And of course, when I feel sorry for myself, and I've done that, and uh, I have to go back to Jesus and go, I'll never suffer anywhere near to the extent that Jesus suffered. I'll never, Paul, I mean, good night. What a servant of God, building churches, loving people. Man, he just, I can't believe how many times he got beaten and shipwrecked and going without and thrown into prison. Uh, so I just have to tell myself, Kevin, shut up, you know, go back to Jesus and shut up and stop feeling sorry. My problem is when I lose perspective, I get into trouble. When I, when I get the focus on myself rather than Jesus and who am I going to help, I mean, we've got to go to Jesus for some help and some healing. But 2 Corinthians 6.10, here's what Paul said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He said, this is part of our story, as sorrowful, but we're always rejoicing. And so the way I interpret that is we, all of us here today, let's just have a moment of honesty, and you and God, all of us have some disappointment we need to give to God. I need to give this disappointment. I need to give the sadness to you, this sorrow. I mean, I thought when I came here, I thought, Church is a family. We'll love each other. We'll be here forever. And then Jenny got sick, and you guys were super. But I, that was a loss of a dream, just to be honest with you. It was a loss of a dream. Uh, we've lost a lot of dreams. Um, anyway, so that's part of our story. So we have to give all that sadness, all that disappointment, frustration, and pain. Just got to give it to God. God, you got to take care of it. We got, I got to cast my cares on you, and then feel, I hope you'll experience the fact that he cares for you. And he understands. So that's a minor part of our story. I'm not saying unimportant. I'm just saying it should play the minor part of our story. The major part of our story should be this. I'm going to rejoice in Jesus. I'm going to rejoice in him because he's a wonderful savior. He's a wonderful friend. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. He understands. That's why you ought to read part of what you ought to read that book for. When I read that book, Gentle and Lowly, it really helped me to understand Jesus does really understand what I'm going through. He does really sympathize with my weakness. Aren't you glad he understands what you're going through? And he doesn't destroy you. He lifts you up. He lifts us up. He's the lifter of our head. So my prayer is, as I try to understand, because in American culture, we think we shouldn't suffer. You know, we live in America, right? The land of the free. Everything should be amazing. Life's not amazing all the time. It's not rah-rah every day. Jesus is amazing. Uh, the suffering journey is, a, is part of all of our story. So he says, as sorrowful, but yet always rejoicing. Hebrews says it this way, you know, what the law couldn't do, the better hope for every one of us, the better hope, the better hope is this, I can draw near to God. And I've experienced that um, through the roughest times, funerals. I've, God shows up in amazing ways. We can always draw near to God if you want to. He's always available. He's always available. Emmanuel means God is with us. Aren't you glad that God's with you? And he never quits, and he never gives up. So that helped my perspective. Okay, suffering's going to be part of my story until I die. Some of you remember Bob Sheffield, one of the great saints here, Deacon, just love Bob. And he, he would tell me, he said, the golden years are not so golden. <laughs> That's a fact. You know, the golden years are not so golden. But if you know Jesus and pursue Jesus, you can become sweeter and sweeter. You can grow in faith. You can grow in hope, even in the hardest times. There was a pastor in town, I don't know if you ever knew, uh, Greg, why did I just forget his last name? Greg, he was over at Garland Road. Why did I just forget his name? Greg Hook, thank you. My brain does that sometimes. I've got so much in there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but when we would get to our little fellowship meetings and he had all kinds of health problems and he might come in in a walker or whatever, and I loved seeing him and I'd say, how are you doing, Greg? And he would smile and he'd go, I'm blessed. And I look at him, and he, he was such an encouragement to me. I said, you know, when I go through my darkest day, my rough, I want to be like that. How are you doing, Kevin? I am so blessed in Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1 says, we are blessed with every blessing in Christ. So right now, my retirement is in the tank. I'm dependent on that. 
In case you didn't know, stock market crash, that's kind of been my story. And so my encouragement in Christ is this, no matter what happens, and Habakkuk 3 talks about this because we got to talk about the nitty-gritty of life. Habakkuk chapter 3 says this, even if we don't get any olives, uh, even if we don't have any animals, we don't have any crops, nothing goes right in Habakkuk chapter 3. I will rejoice in the Lord and I will praise his name. So I've said it, you've heard it before. When things go wrong, you can either get mad at God or you can draw near to God. You can give up and quit or you can grow in your faith. What, what it's really is God inviting you to go deeper in your relationship with him. That, he, he gives the suffering journey to his choice of saints. And really the Bible talks about it and Philippians kind of talks about that earlier that suffering is a privilege. And, and Paul says, I want to enter into your sufferings. Have you ever prayed that way? God, I'd like to suffer more so I could draw near to you and fellowship with you more. Have you ever prayed that way? I usually pray the opposite direction. But that's a biblical prayer. I want to suffer with you. And Colossians bears that out. We're, we're continuing the suffering journey so that Christ would become more and more beautiful to lost people. Because when they look at us, hopefully they say, man, I know what they're going through, but they have joy, they have hope, they have peace. They, they keep going to church. They keep showing up, even though I can't believe that. That, that bears a tremendous testimony uh, to the value and the treasure that Christ is. So here we are in this broken world, and we can choose to rejoice no matter what. But that helped my perspective. Let's, let's move on to Philippians. I'll give you a couple of examples because Craig said you just finished up Philippians. And I, I love the book of Philippians, and uh, I had the privilege to go there a few years ago, neat little town. But Paul rolls into town, and, uh, and I, I love how God just starts with a woman down by the river. He just, he just meets people right where they are and invites people into relationship. And in this book, Philippians is really a thank you letter. And Paul writes to the, to the church in Philippi, I wanted to be with you. It's hard to be with him because he's in prison. But he also says, thank you for sending me money when nobody else sent me money. Now think about that for a minute. Paul started a bunch of different churches. And don't you think some of those churches say, hey, you know, Paul brought us the gospel. We should probably say thanks. But that's kind of human nature. We think about ourselves. But Philippi sends off money more than once. He's writing to say thank you. And so let me just give you a couple of examples. This joy being face to face. Uh, Philippians 1, 3, and 4. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. When I think about you, I thank God for you. For the 22 and a half years and your love and support and putting up with us. Thank you. When I think about you. I hope when people think about all of us, that would be true of all of us. When somebody thinks about you, I hope they, man, I thank you. I thank you for Dave. I, th I thank you for on and on. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer, my making requests for you all with joy. One of the huge privileges of, of a church is we get to know each other. And we do this face-to-face -face ministry, and then we get to pray very specifically for each other. My sister really emphasized this with me. Kelly, she'll always ask me, what, what specific prayer requests do you have so that she can write them down in her journal? And then when, the, when those very specific prayer requests get answered, I'll go, God did it. He did it again. And it builds faith when you pray very specific uh, prayer requests, whatever those, those might be. Uh, let's move on to chapter 4. I'm not going to do them all because he talks about rejoicing the Lord, chapter 3, verse 1. Um, chapter 4, verse 4, kind of the key verse here. How many of you have ever struggled? Can we be honest? How many of you have ever struggled with something God says in his word? Has anybody ever struggled with that? Or are you just super pious and never have a problem with anything in there? Okay. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, what's the next word? Rejoice. The guy writing this is in prison. And I love his perspective when he's in prison. He just turns it into an opportunity. He writes a bunch of, I'm, I'm in prison. Okay, I've got an opportunity to write some letters. I've got an opportunity to sing some hymns. I've, there were people who were saved in prison because they were chained to him and they were working with him. I mean, that's the Christian life. We're doing life with Jesus. Wherever we are, we're just like bragging on Jesus, praying for people, and just talking to people. What a... One of the things that we can do as a church, everywhere we can go, just look for opportunities to brag on God. I, 
was going through the line at Walmart. Where we live, there's a Walmart on every corner. So it's pretty amazing. I can find food for Jenny. But anyway, so I'm, this guy says, you want to, I usually do self-checkout. Haven't gotten my paycheck yet. But anyway, anyway, didn't get that. We're, I'm working for Walmart when I do it. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so this guy says, you want, I go, okay, I'll go through. And he's, because he's waiting for somebody. And so I just said, it's, you know, it's been hot. I don't know. That's probably not a secret to you. But anyway. And, this, and I said, and I just said, I'm so thankful for air conditioning. He said, yeah, I had a heat stroke a few years ago. I was outside working, got overheated. I knew I should have gone inside. I didn't do it, you know. And I just said, I'm so thankful that God preserves this. And so, I mean, as Christians, we're just looking for ways. How do we brag on God, his creation, relationship, just thank. Even if it's just something simple like, man, I'm so thankful for today. I'm just, you know, we're just. As followers of Christ, we're looking for opportunities to brag on Jesus and brag on his church and, and help each other. And that's part of what Paul is doing in this letter. He's, he's, re, he's bragging on them, but he's ultimately always saying rejoice in the Lord. So the, just a quick caveat, there are some people who just go chasing after joy and experiences. And there are people who think, I'll go on vacation and everything will be better. Well, you may end up more tired and broke after vacation. But people are looking for experiences or something somehow to feel better. But the Bible's very clear, and let me be as clear as I can be. First and foremost, pursue your joy in the Lord. And then pursue joy in relationships. Because if you if you flip that up, you'll end up using people to make you feel better about yourself. Has anybody ever done that? I've done that. I wanna I wanna network with that person because they'll help me get ahead or whatever, you know. So what Satan wants to do is just turn us up down, upside down where we use people and we use things and rather than loving God, loving people, and using things for their proper purpose. But, but he says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice even when life is hard. I would even add especially when life is hard. And I'll share with you in a minute some things that have helped us when life is hard. So we better move on. So the, these two questions that I've got here. I was trained in soul care, spiritual direction. So these are just good ongoing questions for your marriage, your kids, friends that you're hanging out with, whatever. The two big questions are, and these are just the rest of our life, what robs your joy or who robs you of joy? What steals your joy? And then what gives you joy? What fills your life with joy? And those are just good questions. Ask of your parents, grandparents, whatever. And so let's do this. What or who robs you of joy? So if I was sitting across from you, we're eating a meal, I'd say, how, where are you finding joy right now? What would be your first answer? And somebody talk to me since we're friends. The Lord. Yeah. What or who gives you joy? Because it's going to be, we're all unique, so it might be different for you. Okay, you're not going to talk to me, but I'm smiling. Give me one more. What or who gives you joy? Christian friends, family? Yeah, yeah, you bet. Well, let's first talk about, and this is something I want you and God to have a conversation today, and just talk about, and, it, and it's really good for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God, show me where I'm letting something rob, because Satan's going to be continually trying to rob you of your joy. I mean, that's what he's out to, to rob you of joy left and right. So let's identify. Here's some things that I've identified in your notes there. The first one is circumstances. How many of you know that life happens? Yeah, life happens. Stuff happens. Uh, Paul chose joy while he, he that happened. He, I, I believe that he has such a uh, big God and a big vision of God. He said, God, you're in control. Okay, this is a divine appointment. And I've said my ministry here in lots of tough situations and, you know, kids getting sick and some, that there's some mystery to following God and, and, he, and we all get a different assignment. And my prayer is that we would all be faithful in our assignment. That Jenny and I would be faithful. In, this is our assignment. Your assignment's different. Help us, God, to be faithful in our assignment. Uh, here's the thing. Here's a statement that we have to say every day. Every day we have to wake up and say, God, I'm not in control, but you're in control, and you're good. Dallas Willard taught me, and I try to do this every morning when I wake up, pray my way through Psalms 23, 
and the Lord's Prayer. That just helps me to start the day out, frame in the day. The Lord is my shepherd, and he's good, and he's in control. I'm not going to lack anything today. I'm not going to lack anything tomorrow because he's still my shepherd, and I'm under his care. So I just pray my way through Psalm 23. The Lord's Prayer, it just helps my perspective to start the day praying through that. Uh, second is conflict. Now, there are two ladies in here that, that did not get along. He says, you know, help these ladies get along. They've been co-laborers with me. Help them to have the same mind. So conflict. Uh, in the life model, this really helped me. Every day, Satan wants to put us into enemy mode. Sometimes I'll look at Jenny and I'll go, she's the enemy, she's a problem, and I'll focus on something wrong. That's what Satan wants us to do. Look at each other and say, you're a problem, I don't like this, and I don't like this about the church. Or I don't. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to put us in enemy mode. Do you agree with that? He wants to mess us up. Put it, and, and Jesus calls us friends, and he wants us to be a church of friends. So we have to be aware of that. And we have to ask ourselves, what's really going on? What do I really believe about God? See, true, my favorite definition of true love, of biblical love, is I'm going to think the best of Larry. And I want to bring out the best in Larry. I'm going to think the best of Beverly and bring out the best. How can I do that? How can we do that in our marriages with our kids and with uh, people? And how can we think the best and bring out the best? Because Satan wants us to think the worst. He wants us to think the worst of it. Number three is worry, which you've already studied. I know nobody ever deals with it, but it robs us of joy and peace continually. Um, one writer said that worry is faith in reverse. Oh, focused on the wrong thing, headed the wrong way. What happens if you head the wrong direction? You end up in the wrong place. And so we focus on Jesus. And, and then the last one, I didn't put in your notes there, but, but we, we grow up with these dominating emotions, fear. Anybody ever dealt with fear in their life? Anybody ever dealt with guilt? And so, so we grow up with these negative emotions. That why, that's why we have to be filled with the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is now going to produce love and joy and peace in us. So we want to we own up to those negative emotions and replace them with joy in relationships. So let's move to the next. What or who fills you with joy? Practices, habits. And, and all of us have to increase our capacity for joy. None of us are done we're going to keep growing until we die, but we have to increase our capacity, and we have to say, okay, God, fill me with your spirit, because I want, I want more joy in my life. I want more joy for my wife. I want better for her. I do. I pray for better. I want, I want more for my kids. Kyle and Lauren live in California. You could pray for them. They think they're pretty good in life and don't really need God, but my prayer for them is that somehow God's joy would break through, and they would realize there's more to life than living for yourself. Living for yourself is a, it's a recipe for disaster. I know when I'm selfish, it's just not pretty. You know, when I, but when I'm serving God and I get to help somebody, man, I come alive. I, I experience joy when I get to serve and I get to help somebody. So the starting place is always saying every single day, Ephesians 5.18, Lord, fill me with your spirit. I, I want your spirit to be in control. I want you to lead me. And this command in Ephesians 5.18 is for the whole church. So one of the ways that... We pray for this church. Lord, fill every one of us with your spirit. Now, just think about that. That is such a captivating thought. If this whole church is filled with the spirit and everybody's loving each other, experiencing joy in each other, we're, we have peace-filled relationships and we're patient with each other. Over uh, the last two and a half years, I, read, I listened to a podcast the other day that said we are becoming more and more impatient with each other. Have you heard about all these people fighting on airplanes now? That, like that's off the charts. That's a whole new record that we've just become short with each other. May God fill us with his spirit and help us to be patient. Actually, we need extra kindness and patience right now. Would you agree with that? We actually need to go the extra mile right now because it's been a tough two and a half years. Um, in the book of Philippians, Paul said the key is what you think. Set your mind you know, on things that are true and, and lovely and pure and things that, are things that are worth thinking. Colossians chapter 3 if you've never memorized Colossians 3, 1 through 14, that's kind of the, the key section on sanctification. And Colossians chapter 3 says, set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth. Because the earth, the things down here will drag you down in the ditch. But you set your mind on things above, and then God lifts you up. As we think about 
the church and people and his word, and we think about eternity. Um, memorize God's promises to help you, whatever you're battling. Um, and then I, I, I'm just throwing a couple more that have helped me. Generosity. God loves a cheerful giver. You know why God loves a cheerful giver? Have you thought about that? Because God's a cheerful giver. And everything that he made is good, and he wants the best for us. So God loves a cheerful giver because God's a cheerful giver. So I brought an offering today because I want to be a cheerful giver. And thank you for being such a generous church. This is a generous church. Uh, I remember when we paid off this building. Wasn't that a cool time when... And then we got to build the youth building and a whole bunch of stuff. It's all because God is generous and you are generous. Now, here, here's the message. You've been waiting for the message? <laughs> gratitude. One theologian said gratitude is probably the number one characteristic of a mature believer. So you can take that for what it's worth. But uh, Dr. Wilder in this book, uh, Gratitude, and, and Jenny and I have been studying gratitude, USC, not a Christian college, they did a study and they found out if you give thanks for three things every day, it'll change your, it'll change your attitude, but also uh, rewire the brain. You'll develop new neural pathways, and that's a good thing. Um, and so Jenny and I, so every, every night, uh, we'll say, what are you thankful for today? And so that, so we journal it, we write down, God did this and God did that, and and, and some days, I'll be honest with you, some days it's, I made it through the day. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? Better than not making it through the day, right? Uh, so it doesn't always have to be, God dropped a million dollars, I didn't win the lottery, but uh, man, I'm thankful that I was able to work today, you know? I got out of bed. So it doesn't always have to be something massive. But to take it to the next level is to give thanks for something, and then why you're thankful, because God met some needs, and, and it was meaningful to you. You prayed for this, and you know, so the why. Now, this is the next part. There's another book, and, and in it, they, they talk about uh, interactive gratitude. Now, this one's still hard for me, but I'll throw it out there. And, uh, but anyway, it talks about our relationship with God should be two ways. Relationships are two ways, right? They're not just one way. But a lot of my praying and thinking is, is a lot of times it's kind of one way. So in an interactive gratitude, you, you want to see yourself the way God sees you, and that's by faith. So think about that. How, how do you, and you don't have to say anything, but how does God see you right now? God is saying, Bruce, I see you sitting in that chair smiling. I'm glad you're here. I'm proud of you. you know, how does God see you? So we want to see ourselves the way God sees us. But the Bible tells us that he inhabits our praises, right? The quickest way into God's presence, the psalmist tells us, the quickest way into God's presence is we enter into his courts, we enter, enter, into, his, we enter into his presence with thanksgiving and with praise. So when you're kind of out of sorts or having a rough day or whatever, the quickest way to come back into God's presence is just to spend some time. Thank you, God, you are good. Thank you, God, you're faithful. Thank you, God, you're, you're with us. Thank you, God, you're the God of all good. Thank you, God, that I'm just a pilgrim passing through. I don't want to, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to stay here forever. I want to go to heaven and, and we'll, all, we'll all be able to catch up and have a great time and family reunion and on and on. But you can just enter into God's presence with praise and thanksgiving. And the start, starting place should be who he is before you give thanks for what he's done, and of course we want to we want to do both. But then to journal out and say, you know, Kevin, I'm proud of you, or you know, I see I see you're struggling, Kevin, but I'm with you. You know, so I'm still struggling. You're not putting words into God's mouth because it's going to match up with the Bible. It's going to be led by the Spirit. But you want to have this, you know, back and forth interactive relationship for you to chew on. Uh, but what's really helped us is giving thanks for three things every day and writing it down. I'll throw that out at you, put it up on your refrigerator or whatever. And I, and I would, after the service today, if, if anybody in this church has blessed you, it would be, go tell them thanks. You know, thanks for blessing me. Dave, I'm proud of you for leading worship. You've been doing it a while. You know, there's a lot of people here that I'm thinking, you know, it's good to give thanks for each other, not take each other for granted. If you want to help your marriage to go another level, every day give thanks to your spouse for some character quality. I mean, 
it's one thing to say thanks for cooking, but it's another thing to say, you know, thank you for being so faithful. You know, thank you for being having such a servant's heart. Character qualities. I think we're better at saying thanks for what you did, but that feeds the whole American culture where we're performance driven and it's all what you've done. We don't just get our value from what we we get our value from God, but we get our value who we are inside. And that's one of the beautiful things about the church is we get to know each other who we are inside, the true you, the true character. Um, so I, th I think that that's taken it all to another level. Well, let's wrap up. God has spoken through his word. And so my, my application is this. Um, the rest of your life, Let's pray for each other that we will pursue joy in Jesus, regardless of what happens. We'll pursue Jesus. If you've not read one of the Gospels lately just to pursue Jesus, that is a good place to pursue Jesus. I'm in a men's Bible study on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. at our church. And I'll be honest with you, there are a couple times where I'm like, got to get up early, got to get over there by 6. But I tell you what, we're going through the Gospel of John, and it feeds my soul. But it's not just the study in John, it's the men in this group. They, and we get into these small groups, and uh, man, it feeds me. I need that. One of my favorite memories, and let's do, a, let's do a memory really quick. Let's just spit, sit with God for a minute, and I just want you to bring up a good memory in your life that, that gives you joy, and give thanks to God for that memory. Can you just take one minute, can you bring up, say, God, give me a good memory, and time when I had joy and you did something and, and just give him thanks for that joy right now. And I hope it's not too difficult. Way to go, Norma. See, I teed you up for all of you to say my spouse. But anyway, um, but, it, but so Jenny and I will do this. We'll try to bring up, and sometimes it's harder for her being on being sick and suffering, but we'll just try to keep share a favorite memory growing up or sometime when God answered a prayer and hey, let's sit with that and give him thanks. And, and it helps to, and it glorifies God and it helps you, your attitude, your outlook to give that thanks. But pursue joy in Jesus. And the, on the heels of that, number two is pursue joy in relationships. Come to church, be on the lookout. Who can I spread joy to? Now that means during the week you're going to be you know, pursuing Jesus during the week, filled with the Spirit, and you're going to come early and you're going to be ready to to share some joy with somebody. Now, total honesty, it's okay to come to church and somebody says, how are you doing? And say, I had a terrible week. I mean, if we're not honest here, right? You know, if we're not honest here, it's, you know, it's not going to be any good, but we can be honest. What's really important is somebody can enter into that with you and mourn with you and pray for you and love on you and, and listen to you. Uh, Another section that will help you when we think about gratitude is memorize part of Psalm 103 where it talks about bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name, and give thanks. And it just goes through this list of things that, that, that we should be thankful for. It guides our thinking. The Bible always guides our thinking. And gratitude produces joy. And, and last of all, I would encourage you to pray for God to give you opportunities to spread joy to people who don't know the joy of Jesus. I'm a hospice chaplain, and I'm blown away how many people I go to, and they they don't have a church or don't know Jesus, or they're not clear on, you know, they, they've heard some bad teaching or they've got some wrong ideas. And so don't assume everybody knows Jesus. Don't assume everybody has joy in Jesus. So just look for those opportunities to tell um, to ask people, how can I pray for you? You know, what's going on? And, and not too long ago, I was talking to somebody, and, and this was kind of a tough case. It, for me, it's tough when I go into a home and somebody doesn't know Jesus, and they're, and they, you know, they're going to die. And so I was telling this gentleman, I said, can I, can I tell you where I get hope? And so we're asking, can, you know, when somebody tells us about a rough time in life, can I tell you where I get hope? Can I tell you what helps me? Just ask God to open up those spiritual conversations then. And, and it should be one of the things that we pray for. When people encounter us, do they go, man, that person has joy. Because sometimes, I'll just be honest with you, Christians can be the worst advertisement for Christianity. 
If we're not careful, we'll be the worst. I'm like, I'm like, sometimes, you know, Jenny, I'll talk, man, I hope nobody finds out they're a Christian because, <laughs> you know, they would just like run, you know. Uh, but let's all spend some time with God to say, God, how am I doing? Is there anything in my life that, is there any wicked way in me? Is, am I not representing you well? Am I too selfish? Am I too focused on my problems and certain, you know? And Lord, would you replace that with your joy? No matter what. Trust God no matter what. Find joy in the Lord no matter. You know, we can, we can all make excuses, can't we? I mean, in American culture, we blame everybody for our problems, and we got a ton of excuses. I think God gets tired of our excuses, and I think he gets tired of us blaming it. Just, it's time to pursue the Lord and find joy and be honest that we do have. Let, let me finish with a couple of stories. The Bible tells us that when one sinner repents, the angels in heaven do what? Rejoice. They throw a party. As I was thinking about that, the Bible talks about the angels minister before the face of Jesus, don't they? So they're mirroring the face of Jesus. So when, when, when you get saved, what is Jesus doing? Smiling. Rejoicing. It was, joy, it was the joy set before him. He went to the cross, and that's personal because he said, Roy's going to get saved, you know? And so that's just a cool thought to think about. When people get saved, the angels in heaven rejoice, Jesus is smiling, and there's a joy party. That's what Christianity is about. Salvation is not, wow, glad I'm not going to hell now. Well, good for you, you know? <laughs> Christianity is so much more than hell insurance. It's I get to enjoy Jesus in relationships. I get to enjoy people or good relationships. Uh, can you visualize right now mamas and dads bringing their children to Jesus and Jesus saying, bring those kids here, put them on, my, on a blessing. And those holier-than-thou disciples, let's get them out of here. Jesus got work to do. That was his work. It was blessing people, blessing lepers, lepers who had not been touched for years. He wasn't afraid to touch them and set them free and heal them and give can you imagine being a leper? Nobody's been around you. Nobody's touched you. Nobody's talked to you for years. And Jesus said, I'm going to go touch that leper. How could you not walk away <laughs> without incredible joy? Jesus performs his first miracle at a wedding and turns water into wine, which is a symbol of joy. When Jesus comes to your house, he brings joy and he brings the best. And they're like, this is the best wine ever. That's what Jesus does. He brings out the best in you, and we bring out the best in each other. And everywhere he goes, he spreads joy. Lord, help us not to get in the way, and help us to spread joy in the Lord. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I want to pray for you right now. I went to church in Alabama when I was 10 years old. My parents were ready to join the church. And that day, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I was a sinner, and I needed to be saved. And there might be somebody here today saying, you know what? I've been playing church, or I haven't gotten it cleared up. Jesus came to save and set free and heal people. Is there anybody here with a, Kevin, would you pray for me? I'm not sure I know Jesus. I'm not sure I know the joy of Jesus. I don't, I don't know if I have peace with God. I'm not. Everybody's going to die. You've got to get ready now. Today's the day of salvation. Is there anybody who would just raise your hand? I'm not going to shame you. I'm here to help you. Is there anybody who would just raise your hand, put it right back and say, I'm not sure I know Jesus, but I'd like to. I'm, anybody like that? I'm not sure. God will meet you right where you are. He loves to save sinners and set people free. He came to set the captives free. On the cross, he said, paid in full. I paid for your sins in full. He wants us to be free. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person here. First and foremost, I pray that every person really knows you. Thank you that you love sinners. Thank you that you love to hang out with sinners. And you came to set the captives free and to bring a life-changing joy. A joy that sets us free and a joy that strengthens us. And, and Lord, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. Every one of us, everybody here is facing a battle. Everybody here has struggles. So Lord, would you fill us with your joy so that we can follow you and that we can keep pursuing you, and that we can help other people to know you. And I pray that you'll fill this church with joy, and that we would all just enjoy each other, 
Would you remove whatever has gotten in the way of good relationships? Forgive us of our sins. Set us free from, from um, pity parties. Set us free from being petty and small. Help us to believe that you're a big God. And help us to really love each other with the love of Christ. Help us to bring out the best in each other. And I, I just pray uh, for healing for broken hearts. Would you right now, by the power of your spirit, heal broken, hurting hearts. And Lord, would you do something very, very special in this church? And when it happens, that people say, only God could do that. Only God. So Lord God, thank you that you're a miracle-working God. Thank you that you specialize in difficult places. And thank you that nothing could be impossible with God. Would you help us to fall more in love with you, Jesus, today than yesterday? Help us to spread that love. Thank you for your word. Help us now to put it into practice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, there are lots of great people here. I'd love to pray for you, help you out. So the invitation is never done. So God's always on the move. If I can pray for you afterwards. Got a whole bunch of other people who will pray with you. Dave will pray with you. A bunch of people. Ann will pray with you. We'll all pray with you. So God bless you as you take the next step of faith. Please stand as we respond in song. Oh, worship the King, all glorious above, and gratefully sing His wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilion in splendor, and girded with praise. Oh, benediction is from Colossians 3 verses 16 and 17 with the word of Christ richly dwelleth within you with all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God whatever you do in word or deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>